What's up? Welcome Fight Fans, welcome Random Lancer Brothers, welcome confused people who found this podcast for no apparent reason but are listening all the same. Welcome to everybody. Uh, I am Aaron and uh, my co-host is Mr. Armando Ramirez. Did I say that correctly? Did I get yeah, that? It's, the- it's white, but yeah, you said it. You said it right. You said it well enough. I, I'm sorry. I, I know no other way. I'm sorry. <laughs> but um, It's a gift start- to roll R's. It, it is, and I'm deeply envious, but uh, I'm going to have to continue on with life and get into this podcast. So basically, the, the two of us are starting a podcast, and uh, we know each other going back to college. When was the first time we met? Do you remember? Uh, I was a sophomore, so this was probably fall of 2000. Yeah, it was fall of 2000 when you were a freshman. Going to Woodyard College. A stupid, stupid freshman. <laughs> yeah, well, we all were. Well, so was I. Bright-eyed, uh, bushy-tailed. And, yeah, we, we met because uh, the school that we went to did not have, like, regular nationally, uh, I guess credit isn't the right word, but nationally sponsored fraternities. We had, they called them societies. They're little, like, uh, on the download fraternities where um, they were specific just to our school and... I, I was a, uh, a confused freshman who was hating college life, and there were these goofy guys being like, hey, come join our, our fraternity. And I was like, oh, I, I could be a stupid, goofy guy. Like, that's pretty much what, uh, what I, is in my comfort zone. Like, okay, this is interesting. And yeah, that's, that is how we met. And then proceeded to have many adventures. Um, a through, lot through of the course adventures. Of, yeah. Um, some involved alcohol, some didn't. Uh, some involved women, some didn't. Um, yeah, yeah. Aaron and I grew real close, especially my, for at least for me, from my perspective, my senior year in college, which was uh, 2002, 2003. Um, and, uh, you know, Aaron and one of my other good buds, I made them uh, what, during the pledging process, during our recruitment pledging process i made aaron one of the pledge masters we call him squire masters but uh yeah i just trusted the guy i knew him i liked him i knew he had a great head on his shoulders and he wasn't a dummy and he'd keep our pledges in line so that's yeah i and i really did it feels it's like i feel like maybe i'm just a little bit sadistic but i i enjoyed torturing the pledges in unique and creative ways um since you brought it up, let me let me tell this one story. Shout out to Sunil Hirnandana. I know which one. I know what's uh, coming, and I love it. Go ahead. <laughs> but so during pledging, you, you we had these set uniforms that the pledges had to wear, and to be fair, they they were fucking lame. It was it was a the pledges white, were lame. Yeah, oh, a white. The, the no, no, no. The uniform the uniforms were lame. The uniforms were a white sweatshirt and you know like mama blue jeans basically and because when your pledges you're, you're broke you just you know you just go to walmart or something get the cheapest um jeans and and sweatshirt you could find and you know we we had this pledge who who wanted to to accentuate the look he wanted a little, little extra flair so he's he's walking around wearing a leather jacket over his pledging uniform which i mean one it 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 looked it looked dumb. You're not wearing what you're supposed to. Two, it's fucking California. Like it had to be hot. And so anyhow, like I see him that that night, and I show up, and you know, just just kind of trying to trying to seem imposing and menacing. And I'm like, so I 
heard you were wearing something over your pledging uniform. Is that correct? He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I was. Uh, I'm like, you were wearing a leather jacket, weren't you? He's like, yeah, I was. I was like, it's okay, man. Don't worry. I get it. You were probably just really cold, right? You're from India. It's a tropical. And he was he was from India, which, which made it a little bit funny. Like, it's, it's, it was a tropical climate. Like, you're not used to these, these frigid American temperatures. Like, it's not your fault. He's like, yeah, yeah. I was just cold. I'm like, oh, you fell from my trap, you motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I had hidden under a bench at this park we had the meeting at. Like, every piece of, like, cold gear that I possibly had, I had, like, my cold gear under armor, like, this thick ski jacket, like, gloves, a hat. <laughs> I just I just have him put every single thing on. Like, his, his pledge brothers are watching him, like, get bundled up like he's about to go into Antarctica. <laughs> So for for those of you listeners that want to get a kind of a better visual, if you've seen the movie A Christmas Story, where Ralphie gets his younger brother like wearing these layers and they're in the snow, obviously, he's you can't you can barely see. And I just I just remember so then we just start having like do this like march through this park, you know, just for um, we probably only had a march for like 30, 45 minutes, but twenty minutes into it, he's like. He's he, he's like, sir, I'm I'm not hot anymore. I'm like, yeah, bet you're not. Here, put this uh, put the ski cap on. I think <laughs> I think we gotta warm you up a little bit more. Yeah. <laughs> and that was that was the last time, at least to my knowledge, that, that he wore anything over that the pledging uniform. Um, and, and that's the shit. And that's the shit that I like. All that stuff was unbeknownst to me. Like that was just happening. I was the pledging, uh, I guess, president during that period. And uh, that's that creativity is one like just the sheer genius of it was the reason why i knew aaron was one of the guys for the job and uh yeah that's for sure sonny's never gonna forget forget that moment of pledging um so so anyhow i mean we part of the reason i also think the two of us became close is we're um both prone to to kind of isolating ourselves being a little um uh, being a little bit of, of shut-in, so of course, like when we left college and went our, our separate ways, like I don't, I don't think we talked for what, like probably like 15 years after. Well, no, I remember, I remember I graduated, and then I think you had graduated, and you were off living who knows where, and you did come out like once during pledging, like a few years after, and so we, you know, we talked then for sure, but then yeah, then we we disconnected. You went off in your your ways and i went off my ways and and um we always i shouldn't say always we we kept in touch but when i say we kept in touch is like maybe once a year it was really bad it wasn't like hey bud it wasn't like calling each other like friends but i think and i'm gonna speak for both of us i don't like it's it's part of who we are to not be like that type of a friend to like reach out to everybody and keep me hey man like we just we're a little more like like you're in sort of shut-ins we're kind of a little bit more introverted we're we got lots of gears in our brain holes, um, always moving. So it's just in our nature to not be like, hey, buddy, how have you been? You know, that's, that's I don't know, that's just not how you and I are. Neither one of us are social butterflies. No, 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 for sure. it mildly. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But, but I think we both found that, uh, among other things, we 
you know, independently uh, developed a, a love for MMA fighting. You know, we followed the UFC. I think how, how that manifested is a little bit different for both of us, but that was some common ground. And then there's just a whole bunch of other shit that, that we have in, in common. And we're like, you know what? It would be fun to explore that. It would be fun to talk about fighting in particular because uh, during my many adventures after college, I was a college coach. And we had, when I was coaching at a school, I had this, this great crew to go talk about fights with. And we, we'd, we'd always go out to, I think it was a Fox and the Hound bar and watch them. But since then, I, I've just been either posting about fights on Instagram or uh, having those conversations in my head. And that is not nearly as entertaining as talking about it with you. So that that was sort of the genesis for our idea to do a podcast. And and, and Aaron's being very, uh, very um, humble. He forgets the fact that he was also a collegiate athlete um, and also high school athlete. Uh, you did wrestling in high school. And, and I remember reading an article about you, like some dude had your leg, like he was, I don't know if it was an ankle pick or something, and you did like flipped over him or something. Yeah, like, I mean, yeah, you don't, you're not bragging at all. I'm, I'm the one bringing it up. I, I just, Aaron comes from an actual athletic background, aside from being a coach. Whereas I'm just, I've never been athletic. I'm just a fucking fanboy in MMA, and uh, and yeah, we we connected that way for sure. Um, so the the one thing that I mean, it's kind of kind of joking, but we we figured it would be uh, it would be wor- worth establishing before we went got really into the podcast is. If at any point we start talking about some subject that is is taboo for one of us, like <laughs> I'm bringing up, you know, you're, you're bringing up something that's really, really stupid. Like, like I had levels of stupidity in college, and and if you're bringing up like something DefCon Five level of stupid that I did in college, I'm like, no, do not talk about that and share that with yeah. people, Armando. Uh, I, we we wanted to have a safe word. Yeah. Um, so- <laughs> Or you could just throw that out there, be like, no, instead of ruining the whole flow, the throw of the podcast. I, I think the first one we just came up with was Excelsior. Like, yeah. you're like, hey, Aaron, remember that time where you, where, where uh, it was your 21st birthday and you drank? And I'm like, no, no, Excelsior. Yeah, yeah. Excelsior. Excelsior. Like, hey, dude, like, stop. Don't. It's, originally, we were going to have um, a third host, but that guy didn't obey the Excelsior rule. Um, the safe word rule and, and 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 we're using excelsior right now but um i don't know that might still be our safe word we might never use it we might use it every every episode we, who knows but um we kind of ha- had the idea of maybe opening it up to uh our listeners to come up with a safe word for us to use and if you if you guys can get creative and come up with a cool safe word for us we'll uh we'll eventually gonna have merch and swag and who knows stickers hats t-shirts all that shit for our podcast to promote it but um if any of you one of you listeners comes up with a a creative funny safe word for us to use and we end up using it well i will be more than happy to to send you guys little goodies for uh coming up with the uh, safe word for us but for now i guess we can use excelsior um sure i mean we're just talking mostly gonna be talking mostly about fighting today so i think I think we're going to be okay. I think yeah. I think we'll be an Excelsior free podcast today. Yes. But, um, on that note, uh, 
let's get into it. I mean, the, yeah. the whole landscape, like the whole country, the whole world has been turned upside down and it's affected absolutely everything. I mean, from going to the grocery store to definitely sports promotions. I mean, every major sport is coping with this in a different way. So, and what you mean by the, this is, is the coronavirus and COVID, right? Well, so so there, there. I guess there, there there are two parts to that. There was there was the coronavirus, which just exposed a lot of cracks in, in our country. Both, I mean, you know, in in the way we administer healthcare, in the the actual quality of the care, and like um, just the way we go about our lives in America. And then I, I think kind of because of that, some shit that's just been being swept under the rug, and you know. I'm speaking specifically about um, the way police officers have been treating black people in this country, the, the way a lot of uh, people uh, of color feel disenfranchised and, um, you know, I think, I think understandably feel less than equal in some ways. And that, and just because, because of COVID, because everybody was stuck at home, because there was all this sort of extra energy and, and people actually had time to like scrutinize this stuff instead of just being forced to kind of get from day to day to day. There, on top of COVID, there were, there were the, the largest series of protests that are still ongoing that I think the world's probably ever seen. I mean, there, there's never been, you know, as, as, Big as the protests in the '60s were, there was never a single protest that happened across the entire world, like like some of the Black Lives uh, like Black Lives Matter protests were. So, how, how is that? How is how um, is COVID and the civil unrest affecting the fighters? How are they How are they reacting to it? And how how is that changing this? particular set of subculture that that has some people with very strong opinionated ideas who are i think definitely just badasses like so so like Mondo, like what, what are some of the things that you've just seen well you know for one uh, with this with this week in particular um you know the the coronavirus has everybody locked in indoors um and and the UFC, uh, good for them being one of the first, or the 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 uh, definitely the first sport to kind of go back out in public. But in order to do so, they had to do a lot of extra precautions to keep their fighters healthy and safe. One of the bigger things, for sure, that's notable is that uh, they're doing the event. They have been doing these events with zero audience, right? They're so so normally you have a UFC, you do it a big arena, and you have you know ten, twenty thousand fans that are paying a ticket to go watch these events and now because of the corona um you know we can only watch it via via live stream or via you know some kind of tv broadcast telecasted way you can't you can't be there live and it for sure has affected the pockets of the fighters right i mean they some of these guys get a gate or part of the gate or something a percentage of the gate the ticket sales and because of that now they're missing out on money so um, that's one way I've seen it's affected the fighters is the the pay, you know. Now now they're asking for, and I think rightfully so, they're asking for per percentages of the pay per view buys, for example, which some of these guys have already gotten it as part of their contracts. Did Did you like having the shows without fans? Like j just even you know watching the broadcast, it's it's different, right? I was 
at first I was very, I did have big hesitations. I was like, it's not going to be the same, you know, because the, the fans do hype it up. The, 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 just like any sporting event, you hear there's, the, there's a reason why they call it the home team, you know, when you're in other major sports. Uh, your home team draws a big, uh, uh, you know, a big uh, uh, a wave of noise when some good happens for their team and in MMA when someone gets you know when someone gets a clean shot or a clean kick or or when you know especially now now that most of the fight world is really or I should say really well versed but they're well versed enough to see what's got what's happening in the grappling exchanges um, setting up for chokes and what have you so you do hear like this big boom of the fans going crazy when something cool is about to happen so my hesitation was like, you're not going to have that element. You're not going to have that extra added excitement element to watching a live or even, even watching it on TV, but knowing that the, the, the audience is there. Um, so I, I had hesitations, but after a, a, a couple, two events, um, I changed my mind because you can, you can hear things better. You can hear the coaches coaching their fighters you can hear the shots a bit cleaner you can actually hear the fighters talking shit to each other which is kind of cool you didn't get that before you know yeah well definitely being able to to score the fight is so much easier when you can hear the impact of a shot because that's one of the things that's really plagued mma is the scoring system's dumb yeah and half the judges they get don't know anything about MMA. So you get these weird decisions where everyone's like up in arms, like, and understandably so, cause it completely fucks over the fighters. Like the, a lot of the fighters, the way their, their pay is structured is they will get a set amount to just show up and fight. So say they'll get $40,000 to show up and fight. And then an additional $40,000 if they win. So, if they if they put on a great fight, they perform really well, and they get screwed over by the judges. They only get half their money. Yeah, and there's always talk about oh well the the UFC is going to make up for that on the back door, but you know they'll, they'll give them money behind the scenes. But that's that's just a screwed up way to do business, and it's all to incentivize the fighters to fight a little bit more recklessly, to go for finishes. Yes, um, to to be you know like to do to to be exciting and to hype and the crowd up because you hype the crowd up you get all the you get all the yays and all the you know the the cheers for you and you hype that fight up mid-fight and 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 it can unfortunately it shouldn't but like you said a little bit ago some of these judges don't know shit about mma or fighting or have never trained and so these fight the, these fans that are in attendance can sway certain judges opinions of, of what's been going on in the fight well, so that, that's the other thing that I noticed, too. I think it, it not having a crowd really is affecting the way some of the fighters are, are fighting. Because just like you said, like, you know, a fighter lands a big punch, right? And the guy goes down and the crowd's going, ah! you know, yeah. and like, I think that translates to this huge adrenaline burst. And the fighter gets excited and like, they, you know, they jump in recklessly and start swinging and then, you know, chaos ensues. And a lot of times I've seen fights where a fighter lands a shot and then he just it kind of stays calm and composed and is like, all right, like I'm not going to go crazy. And I, I'm almost positive if there were live audiences, that, that's not how it would have played out. They would have gone nuts and, you know, recklessly gone yeah. in for a finish. Yeah. Which like I'm cool with. I, I, I'm always more interested in technique and game plan and that kind of thing. And I don't, I don't know. So I don't know. It's a good thing for me. I don't know if it's a good thing for the promotions, you know, dollar figures or for the, for the kind of more casual fan. 
Yeah, the the casual fan. You know, you know, I'm not gonna disparage. Um, I'm gonna make a big generalization here, but like women, a lot of there's not a lot of women that are MMA fans. Oh, there there are women out there that are MMA fans, but it's mostly a guys thing, right? And um, your casual fan, you know, watching TV wants to to like it, it it amps them up when they see the fans go crazy or when you know a knockout or or a crazy vicious punch or kick. And uh, without the fans there, uh, that you know, that's kind of th- that noise is dampened for sure. You don't have the same. Uh, I don't know. It doesn't have the same. Or you would think it wouldn't have the same magic uh, watching the live fight. But again, I think, I think the lack of fans in attendance makes the quote unquote hardcores of MMA even more hardcore because because they're a bit more educated than your everyday just turning well, on the TV. There's there's levels to that, though, right? In terms of um, you know how how educated fans are, because I think there there's there's like just the straight up casuals that just want to see two guys, you know, stand there and punch each other in the face as hard as they can, and and then have one of them fall over, and that's like their perfect fight. Yeah. Um, and then then there's fans who have watched a bunch of MMA and have a good sense for the nuance. Like they might not know the actual techniques, exact you know exactly maybe. Or, or how to set them up or something like the really finer points, but like they appreciate it. Um, and then, and then there, there's, I think probably like a much smaller set, subset of people who have trained them themselves or like actually watching maybe to pick up on how you do something or, and just to give an example, like for, for me, when I'm watching a fight, I, I don't know that much about striking. Like I've never boxed. Um, I only taken like a couple more Muay Thai classes and but I have a pretty good knowledge of grappling and it drives me nuts when there's been an extended period on the ground and then I hear fans in the audience chanting stand them up yeah, stand yeah. them up and I'm like you motherfuckers like he just worked like really hard for two minutes he was able to to transition from uh, from half guard into side control, he had to basically f- fight the other guy's foot and get out of. of um, he was in a lockdown. He had to clear that leg. He and now now that he's in side control, he can tr- if he can transition to that other side. That's going to put uh, put him in position to isolate that this guy's left arm, and then he's going to be able to scoop the guy's left arm with his head. He could get into an arm triangle. I or was watching. Tr- I, I, tr- I forget what fights uh, a week ago or two weeks ago. I was watching some older fights, and for sure, I mean, I just the fights that I did watch, it felt like they were being stood up a lot quicker back then. Like if there was a gra- yeah. like a ground thing, it, like, and even if a guy was getting punched or or like a guy was going for an arm or something, like some kind of uh, lock on a wrist or something, like like it, it seems like the refs were a bit more. I don't know, the refs and the audience was a bit more uneducated and and the audience for sure was a lot more restless like you said they wanted to see brutal shit they didn't want to see ground stuff well and it's weird too right because this, this just speaks to how new mma is as a sport it really really varies depending on the location of the show and also even depending on who the ref is mm-hmm. like there's some audiences where they just seem like they're they are a lot more knowledgeable and then 
There's other audiences. I'm talking about Texas. Um, <laughs> we just lost a percentage of our listeners. Thanks, Aaron. <laughs> of our 10 listeners that we'll have our they're first. Like, get, they're like, get them two boys off the ground. Stop them humping each other. Let them punch each other in the goddamn face, you motherfuckers. Like, that's, that's pretty much uh, that was my impression. And I think an accurate impression. I didn't really nail the accent, but I, I got the, the gist and the emotion of a Texas fan. <laughs> Oh shit! Yeah, so so I guess well, we started this whole thing is how 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 Corona and how the well, unrest and protesting has affected fighters. Well, that's it. okay, that that was my other question. I don't know how closely you follow um, fighters' social media accounts, but I've been really interested to see how individual fighters are reacting mm-hmm. to to COVID and to 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 the protests. A few, and I've seen a few. So so in general. I've seen most fighters are, have a pretty big disregard for COVID, which really? to me makes sense, right? Like, mm-hmm. I don't think someone who's like, "Well, I'm really conscious about my health. I want to, I really, I want to minimize risks to my health whenever possible. So I'm going to choose a profession where I go and fight another person in a cage for a living. Like, that just doesn't like the mentality that you have to have to be a fighter." It's probably a mentality that's going to make you be like, ah, whatever, like, COVID's not a big deal. I think the reason that is, though, also is is because these guys, a lot of these guys are, are like, what they do 24-7 is they're in the gym. They're in the gym. They're in the gym. They're training. They're 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 doing whatever cardio. They're, they're outside, whatever, jogging, whatever. And when you when you restrict what they're able to do, yeah, they kind of get, and, and, and you know, like a lot of fighters, a lot of MMA fighters are, are pretty reckless in general um the kind of in, uncaged animals most of these guys uh, and girls and when you tell them no you can't do this you can't do what your livelihood is and go get you know some training in they for sure gotta go stir crazy like more so than your typical everyday you know couch potato like you or like me not you <laughs> but like me your everyday couch potato watching shit on tv like i i go kind of nuts but these other guys that's that's what they've been used to. That's they don't have a nine to five job like the rest of us, you know. They, so so them them being away, them being quarantined or saying or you know their gyms are closed because of Corona. Most of these guys, right? They can't go to their gym. They're locked out. Um, it's got to drive them fucking nuts. Well, and and then on the the other side, which I was interested, in, and I saw I saw a much broader sort of spectrum of reaction on how the fighters were reacting to the, to the Black Lives Matter protest. And the, the one that, like, the first one for all this stuff that I always go to is, like, I'm like, okay, like, how is Tim Kennedy oh. uh, reacting to this? So if you guys don't know Kim, Tim Kennedy, he was uh, a former Green Beret. He fought um, in Strike Force and then for several years in the, the, U, the UFC, 185-pound uh, weight class. He does this, like, sheep jog training uh, which which is like teaching people like tactical responses to um, you know active shooters and things like that. He likes to refer to him as a sheepdog, and he's taking care of the, his flock. The, 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 uh, when I think of that guy, I think of a guy that pisses red, white, and blue for sure. Like he's really pro military, you know, which is good. I like the guy. He's got a good persona. Well, he also. I mean, not. I'm not. I'm, I do not mean this to take take away or detract from tim kennedy but he he tends to see things very simplistically like sort of like a black or white like there's the good guys and there's the bad guys and america is great 
and our enemies are bad and he, he reacts to things with the enthusiasm of like like a 10 year old where he's like I shot a sniper rifle today that's fucking awesome do you guys see my sniper rifle <laughs> like he's very excited about things and I know he, he has a lot of family members who are police officers so when everything with George Floyd happened I'm like oh shit like how is Tim Kennedy <laughs> gonna respond to this one um, and I was I was happy to see that even Tim K, I mean even Tim Kennedy with George Floyd and you know he's black right he's like this is wrong like I know a lot of good cops like this is fucked up like those guys should I don't I don't know what punishment he was advocating for but he just like unequivocally unequivocally said it was wrong and then but then a lot of other fighters it's but there's been they've been kind of a cl- across the spectrum of like how they were weighing in it was it was just it was just interesting because. Um, you know, the, the, in the other sports leagues, it's like you will see kind of a consistent profile for a team, right? Like pro hockey, it's it's going to be a lot of like white guys. <laughs> there's only there's only a couple <laughs> African Americans in there, a couple maybe Hispanics. I mean, the the NFL and the NBA definitely a little bit more diverse mm-hmm. than than uh, the NHL, but it's it's going to be you know largely it's going to be black guys, right? Well, what like, about there's definitely. Another sport. What about NASCAR and that whole thing right now? NASCAR? <laughs> a lot, a lot of white guys and a lot of southern white yeah. guys. Um, but, like, that's where it kind of was interesting and it was really highlighted. Like, the UFC is so diverse. Like, uh, ethnically, it's really diverse. Culturally, it's really diverse. Even even in terms of nationality, it's such a diverse organization. Like, that, that was one of the things that I, I don't think I fully appreciated was just... How, how many different types of people and personalities and backgrounds that you get in this one sports league? There's like nothing else like that that I've seen. Yeah, and it makes it makes to me it makes MMA um, that much better because because of because you're not just drawing from the best of the U.S. You're not you're drawing you're drawing the best from the globe. So you do have to you have to you're forced to um, accept diversity. It's kind of part of of what MMA is 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 like. Not only is your fighting style different, but like you see your culture, whatever, it's all different. But hey, at the end of the day, we're we're two dudes locked in the, or two girls locked in a cage, and someone's gonna walk out a winner, someone's gonna walk out a loser. So there's no there's no time for bigotry, really. You know, there's no time for any and, and yet it, 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 it let's be honest, it does happen it, well, even for in sure, the UFC. for sure. Right, although it's, it's interesting, Mr. Uh, Colby Covington, who is <laughs> oh, but he's yeah, <laughs> his whole shtick is he he's been kind of quiet during this whole thing like he he's he sort of made his name off of bigotry and uh nationalism yeah if you recall yeah his shtick was very very it still is very very pro trump and whatever trump says is great and whatever people that hate on trump can suck it he's very but i think also i you know and everyone that know or everyone that that is 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 in the know i guess knows that it's a shtick like it's probably not really I, how he really feels. I, I think that it's not entirely just a shick. I think he's playing it up. But, like, I, have you ever been to the area of Florida where he grew up? No, I've never been to Florida, period. No. That's that's okay. You're not... You've been to... Like, I'm trying to think how to describe Florida. It's, it's, it's like... It's like, imagine, like, San Diego, but it's, like, filled with, like, like really rich people and rednecks in the center of it. Okay. <laughs> nice 
F- Florida, that was a terrible description. It's it's not geographically, it's not like San Diego. I just meant that it does, yeah, it has beaches and ocean. That's what everyone thinks about. But there's these whole parts of central Florida where it's like, it's like, what do they call it? It's like Fl- Florida-bama. Mm. It's it's like the part of Florida that's like more like Alabama than, gotcha. than a beach community. Like the Panhandle. And then you have these like, yeah, and you have these like crazy... Um, expensive beach communities and and there's a lot of methamphetamines like like cold cold beast from the methamphetamine part of florida ah okay so i wouldn't be shocked if he does actually believe some of that stuff and he's now saying it and really playing it up in a sensationalized way but he's been kind of quiet <laughs> yeah since- yeah he's he, he's lost a lot of friends though too because of the shtick and because of uh you know, it seemed the appearance of lack of loyalty and friendship and, and, and breaking bridges, burning bridges. It feel, feels like he's done himself more harm within the MMA community than good. But it's like you you lean it to you lean into it well enough, you'll then you also get a large percentage of people that want to watch your fights to watch you lose, kinda of like the Floyd May- Mayweather thing where no one likes to see it, you know. No, everyone wants to see, or a lot of people want to see Floyd Mayweather lose, right? Because he's such a cocky shithead, and makes a ton of money, and the way he fights isn't very exciting. And and yeah, so Colby's leaned into that for sure. And but you're right, I haven't heard a whole lot of uh, pro or con Black Lives Matter or anything coming out of his mouth. I think he's smart enough to. You think even he has a line where he's probably afraid to cross because he might get his ass beat somewhere, like in the streets somewhere. You know? Yeah, I, I, he he's sort of like a little kid where he like he kind of kind of tries to edge up to where the boundary is, and then you know, th- think about okay, think about like little kids like like playing like um, like a tag game where there's a boundary, and they'll run up to the boundary and they'll go across it for a second, and then run back like yeah. no no you can't get me like that's like Colby Covington you know he'll he'll sort of like dance along that boundary line. And uh, he might have been smart enough to figure out that if, if he kept it up, there'd be certain people who were like, we don't give a fuck about your boundary. I will come to your house and, and murder you in your sleep. I've also seen some, I've, I've seen some good things. Um, well, it depends on how you look at it, I guess. I've seen, uh, you know, John, like in Arizona, there are some graffiti places and, and certain businesses, uh, black owned businesses that were like uh, affected by... Um, by just idiots defacing black owned business property. And I've seen John Jones go out there and like, you know, paint, paint. Yeah. You know. So that's a positive that's, that's, thing. Even that's, that's New Mexico, but oh, yeah, I'm sorry. It's, it's basically the same yeah, thing as Arizona. My bad. Um, but yeah, I've seen that. And again, the reason I say that depending on how you look at it, it's not because I'm anti BLM. It's because I think John Jones needs a lot of, um, he needs to repair his, his reputation. So I think he's he's uh, he's doing a lot of things he may or may not be usually doing, but to kind of patch, you know, repair his his poor reputation because of all the other stupid shit he's done before the, you know, hit and run, pregnant woman thing and the m- numerous times where he's been popped for cocaine and what have you. And so I think he's doing some of this stuff for for publicity, but but good on him anyway for doing it. I mean, it's it, it is noble of him to do it. He doesn't have to do any of that shit. Alright, I guess what I was trying to say to wrap it up was, I think the one good thing, as far as I can tell, the UFC has not limited that their, their platform for fighters to express themselves. And in, in the past, they have. like They've been kind of restrictive on what fighters could wear. You could see that they're really 
trying to have them push a certain narrative so they could you know promote an event but in this disrespect and you know maybe there's stuff going on behind closed doors that we don't know about but it seems like they've been giving the fighters space to speak out and express themselves how they want yeah um about uh racial inequality and, and things like that and that that's that's great because for a lot of these fighters um you know it's it's in part, they're getting a paycheck for fighting, but they're also getting a platform that, that can let them move on to you know other things in life. And if the, if that's really what they're getting, because like a lot of these fighters don't make that much actual money, then let them use that platform how they want to use it. And it's just been interesting to see the UFC being this really um, diverse organization that also has a lot of logistical problems in just getting all these people from all over the world together in one place and then having them, you know, fight for 15 or, or 25 minutes. Like it's a, it's just a very challenging thing to, to even put on one of these UFC shows. And it's been interesting to, to see them navigate and try to figure out how to keep doing what they're doing in the midst of, you know, protests and a global pandemic. So on that note, for, for anyone who doesn't know, uh, they, they were trying to just push through and keep doing shows in, in the height of the pandemic. And, and I mean, hopefully what was the height of the pandemic? I, not to say that, that, you know, it's over. But, like, they, they were trying to do shows on, like, an, Indi- you know, an Indian reservation and the California government shut them down. And then finally the president was like, fuck it. Like, I don't... I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna get a private island <laughs> and we'll fly the fighters to this private island and we're gonna do Fight Island, which which is like probably like the 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 best but simplest name that like he spent all of a second and a half coming up with Fight Island. Yeah. He's like, yeah, it's it's an island. People fight. It's fucking Fight Island. I'm Dana White. I'm gonna get all these people <laughs> out of here. F- fuck your government regulations. Let's do this. And um, the, the fantasy of Fight Island, which, which okay, Mondo, so when you first heard him talk about Fight Island, like, how did you I, I, uh, visualize it? I thought of two things, and I haven't seen it in a long, long, long time, but I, I have heard other, I've heard fighters compare it to the uh, Enter the Dragon um, Island, and, and, I, and I, I vaguely remember watching the movie, and I know what they're talking about, where, you know, they fly all these motherfuckers in, and it's kind of, but the other, the other thing that, that comes to light when I think of it, I think of Mortal Kombat, the video game, and, and the movie also, where, like, they, they flew in all these fighters and from different parts of the world, and you're going to this mysterious location, and, and yeah, you're, you're gonna fight to the, in, in, in the case of, like Mortal Kombat, you're gonna fight to the death, you know. <laughs> so that's what I thought of when, when I first heard Fight Island. So, so yeah, well, okay. So I think everybody assumed it was gonna be like an, a literal island. I mean, I I pictured more like, um, j- just like like a secluded, like almost like tropical island with, uh, you know, a cage where you could like see out into the ocean, and there's like, you know, jungle trees around it, and. Um, that was that was my my visualization. You know, I think everybody had all these these ideas, which was pro- got to be the smartest thing they did. They just let everyone's imagination run yeah. wild. They're like Fight Island, and then they gave us zero details. So everybody was was coming up with all this crazy stuff. And what it actually turned out to be was uh, it was this place Yaz Island, which was a 
man-made island in Dubai. And it's only, it, when I say island, it's, it's only an island on a technicality. It is bordered by water on four sides, but it, it, was, it looks like it's maybe like 50 yards of water. Yeah, yeah. And then there's another man-made island right there. And the, the reason they went with it, as far as I can tell, was because there was already some of the infrastructure they would needed. You know, they, they were going to need facilities for the fighters to stay uh, large enough where they could keep everyone separate, separated and social distanced. They needed uh, a place that they could fly fighters in from around the world and really just did not give a fuck about any sort of... Um, quarantine restrictions or anything yeah, the, like that. Yeah, the, uh, the, the Arab Emirates and uh, in Abu Dhabi especially, um, you know, most of it is man-made, but, the, and there are a lot of, like, luxurious parts of that part of the world, a lot of, like, higher-end, and they're trying really hard, and they've been trying really hard for, fuck, 10 years now to um, bring in uh, uh, travelers and vacationers and, 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 and milk money that way. And so it kind of made sense that Fight Island was going to be there because it's just another draw to like push the Abu Dhabi name out there, you know, the, the Yaz Island name out there. Yeah, well, and they'd already done cards in Abu Dhabi, so I'm sure they had those relationships pre-established and it was, it was easy. And so it completely makes sense why they did it there and why... This, this mysterious mythical fight island became, you know, yet this man-made Yaz Island in Abu Dhabi, which is considerably less exciting. But my my question is, if you could do it differently, if you were you were Dana White, it was you you became Mondo White, president CEO of uh, of the UFC. Like, wh wh how, would, how would you do Fight Island differently? So, I guess the first thing is, like, where, where would you do it? Like, so I, didn't, I, I, didn't, I didn't go so far as you to actually look on a fucking globe and pick a place out. Because you did. I know you did, you fuck. But me, I was just thinking, yeah, I did think of more of, like, a, like a rainforest type of environment. Jungle, middle of fucking nowhere. Like, maybe, maybe a fucking Mayan temple or some shit, you know, in the background with water and waterfalls and shit and really make it like milk the tropical kind of um ambiance i guess if you want i, I envision tiki's and shit like <laughs> i envision like a lot more of a of a like a, yeah more of a two men enter one man leave type of environment you know so that's that was the tricky part too trying to think about the location because a lot of the places in in, in asia that that would probably be possible are just like no like you're not flying in a bunch of random people from all over the world like fuck you like we're trying not to have uh another you know resurgence of the outbreak hawaii is just not letting anybody yeah. in like that would be an easy one like they you know max holloway has been begging to to get um a hawaii card for for years and hawaii like you have to you have to do a 14-day quarantine before they'll let you in what? hawaii so if you yeah. travel to Hawaii, yeah. you got to go and sit in some fucking isolated room for two weeks. So I, I don't know exactly how that works. Um, I know I know you can get into Hawaii. I mean they've been stricter than everyone. You know people are like, oh Hawaii's gonna suffer because of tourism. Hawaii's like, like we don't we don't give a fuck. Like stay off our yeah. island. That's um, good for them. And and it's it's yeah i know there's a 14 day quarantine i don't know where you quarantine i don't know if it, it's there's like a hotel set up for that or you're in a bunker or what but yeah you so logistically it would be it would be impossible to do hawaii 
So that's why I was like, all right, it has to be somewhere where they just don't give a fuck, like like a Dubai, um, and and they will they will put money in front of you know potential health problems. What about problems. what about somewhere in like the uh, uh, off the Keys, the Florida Keys, or like in the Bahamas, somewhere out there? Like like there's a chain of there's a, there's there's hundreds of islands out there too that are still that still fit that kind of semi tropical feel. You know, I don't know those well, area, that area very well. Ooh. That's a, that's a good point because, I mean, so South America in general, right? I'm sure South America is, you know, is not uniformly ha- handling COVID the mm-hmm. same, but I know Brazil gives zero fucks. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> like, not even a little bit. Like, their president was like, oh, COVID's not real. I don't care. I hope I get it. Uh, I, am, I am a strong, healthy man, and it will be little more than a sneeze for me. Like, I'm, I'm paraphrasing. And, of course, he did get it. Yeah, I don't yeah, know if yeah, you yeah. saw that. The, but so are there are there islands or maybe off of australia somewhere there's got to be a chain of smaller islands out there no so so australia so and this is just interesting to see how the world has has reacted differently australia and new zealand new zealand in particular new zealand's like no you're not coming into new zealand they just shut the whole island down i mean they they had like 12 i i'm forgetting the exact number but they had i think like 40 deaths total in the whole country. Wow. Australia's had like 100-something. But yeah, there are islands off of the coast of South America. Uh, America. There, there's the Falkland Islands, and then there's just a whole bunch of them on the western coast. And I, I imagine there's got to be a, there's there's got to be more than a few of them that are like completely uh, uninhabited. You know, they, they could do whatever the fuck they wanted to. Well, well, see, that's okay. So that's the problem. The other reason they did Yaz Island is because, like, you need a bunch of infrastructure, right? Like, you need hotels for the fighters to stay, like food services. You need how do you keep them social social distance? So, like, I, I guess, like, for you, like, what would be the key logistics? Like, first, like, how are you going to get all these fighters from around the world to one to to wherever they're going to fight? Well, I mean, if if all rules are off, I mean, if they look, I I don't think there's a fighter out there that isn't at least a, and there, it's the COVID thing's got to be in the back of their mind a little bit but if let's assume that the fighters gave none of the fighters gave zero shits about catching it or contracting it or spreading it right let's assume that is part of the equation mm-hmm. then um, fuck these I'm sure some of these fuckers would be okay with there's like little huts for them like like somewhere <laughs> on the beach where they could just kind of do their own training whatever so, so so you're saying Jorge Masvidal who who did not take a fight because he wanted like multiple millions of dollars is going to be like yeah actually you know what the, the funny thing about Masvidal is you, if you paid him five million to fight he, he probably he probably sleep a fucking you know in an alley in in uh the most dangerous part of brazil if he's getting te- oh, yeah. you know five ten well, million dollars to yeah, do it who knows who knows we're just we're just we're talking fantasy land here or uh you know so, so one thing that this yaz yaz island was supposed to have is like uh, on-site like everything for the fight like training facilities and what what have you but mm-hmm. and and you and i talked about this a little bit before the podcast was that um it, it seems to be like a majority of the fighters had to go to vegas first and then from Vegas, they're flying into Abu Dhabi via like a, a private charter that the UFC, um, with the exception of Jorge Masvidal and maybe a few other guys. But for the most part, they all flew together in the same plane to Abu Dhabi. Yeah, that seems risky, it right? Does, it Well, so, you know, these guys, they, they all got tested in the States and then, and then they're, they're on the plane. And then, and then when they land, they get tested. 
And uh, then they got to quarantine for 48 hours till they get the results back. I, I heard somewhere on one of the uh, pre-fight build-up things that some of these guys are getting tested upwards of four times before the fight even happens. Yeah, I just it's just I was just thinking if there's like one person who has some sort of like weird um, false negative and actually is infected, and then all of a sudden they just spread it around to the whole plane, and it's like your yeah. whole card shows up to Yaz Island, and, and they all have COVID because of for some reason one one guy. At that point, if everyone's infected, fuck them, let them fight anyway. <laughs> well, so, <laughs> I, I I guess I mean there isn't like a real like commissioning body in in Dubai. I, I well, guess well no they That's have to. The only problem is like these have to be yeah you have to get it sanctioned because also they have they have the ADCC out there right they've they've had like like grappling and jujitsu things out there for a long time yeah so they that's have true. to have some kind of maybe not as yeah sanctioning maybe body. not as crazy as we do in the US I'm sure the restrictions have to be a, a little bit looser. Um, out there, but who who knows? You know the the one the one thing that um, I did well, that kind of narrowed things down for me as far as the logistics is I was like, you you want you want some place that has a hotel already built. It's just too hard to build a whole an entire hotel, and you want something that some place that has something at least approximating an international mm-hmm. airport because he, even if it's a charter flight, like. Like that would be, uh, you know, in, in the the scope of like, what's the worst thing that could go wrong? It's like you fly all, all your fighters into some like rickety, shitty airport, like a dirt runway on an island. Yeah, in an island, and like the plane crashes. It's like, well, okay, the whole plane burns up. <laughs> we we just killed our entire card. That's uh, that's a problem. So I was like, it has to be like a real airport. So for me, I don't know. That kind of narrowed things down. Again. Uh, I see why they went with Yaz Island, but I did I did find um, at least one possible alternative to that. Okay, before 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 we get into my my, my crazy ideas, well, I was gonna say part of the logistics thing would be you know, and I think I think Yaz Island is supposed to be set up for this, but I, I from what I understand, a lot of the fighters have not been able to use. Um, like training facilities, so you know you get to Abu Dhabi, you get tested. You're in your hotel. You're confined to your co- your hotel room for two days to find out the results of the COVID thing. So that only gives them about four days before the fight to cut, lose weight, train, get some last minute whatever workouts in. Um, so that'd be another logistics thing you'd have to think about. Like they 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 need to have like almost like mini um, UFC PIs, uh, almost built. Uh, you know, for each individual fighter, if they don't, if they really don't want to cross contaminate, they, they kind of have to have something set up for all of them. Nah, they just need open space. Yeah, or just just let them let them go Rocky Four style. You know, <laughs> training out in the wilderness, <laughs> punching cows and shit, chasing chickens. Well, well, plus and plus for any of the fighters who are like, oh, I need a sauna to weight cut. You're in Abu yeah. Dhabi. It's 110 degrees yeah. out. Go outside. Yeah, one of the <laughs> one of the embedded episodes I was watching, like. As they were deboarding the plane, like they're they're you know they have the I don't know what you call that that hallway you get off of, I don't know what the fucking technical term is, but that hallway once you deboard the plane, there's a hallway that that connects the plane to the actual terminal. I don't know what that's called, but as some of those fighters are like deboarding, they're like oh shit, you could already feel like the heat from that little tunnel, I guess, and uh, and yeah, they was even like even the embedded there was like some f- like steam or fog building around the lens of the camera. Um, so I, I I know that heat. I've been to Acapulco, like getting off of a fucking. We we took a bus from from the airport. We took a 
shuttle or a bus to our hotel and you get off of that fucking thing and you're like you're swimming in air like you're you're it's it's ridiculous that's one that would be definitely be nice but i think with the whole fight island mystique like they're going to some like remote island i'm like you know what as long as 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 they're not all on top of each other um i think i think you could probably work around some some more sort of rustic training facilities or lack thereof well i mean the the ties they still fucking kick banana trees you know there's 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 got to be shit like that where they can (laughs) imagine training and you're actually running around chasing chickens or 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 you know punching cow like like uh beef cuts hanging off of a fucking freezer or something like that's part of your training that'd be kind of cool i don't know about punching beef cuts i'd probably rather eat it but yeah man like running around in in the wilderness you you don't so so i don't want to go down this whole tangent but like i i did um this this cardio competition and when you know when i really broke it down of like what what is going to be most effective for me like very little of it actually had to do with a gym i didn't in terms of burning uh burning calories sweating everything uh, the gym was just too restrictive of a space i was like man when you can get outside like you can run you have room to do like plyometrics and calisthenics the and, like, great walter payton the great walter payton used to like literally run i mean and some athletes still do that to this day but like you're running up and down like crazy uh hills with a crazy grade in them and this guy was one of the best running backs of all time in the nfl so some of that um, grassroots training has to. I mean, there's, there's, you're getting a workout in anyways. You just gotta kind of be creative and figure out what you're trying to get out of the workout. I guess. Do you, Do you think there should be spe- special Fight Island uniforms? Yes, I think the for sure the ring girls, right? <laughs> for sure the ring girls, but the fighters should be given a little more leeway instead of wearing the the Reebok uniform. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Don't 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 skip over the best part of it. <laughs> In your in your mind, what is this special Ringo well, uniform? For sure, like dude, like like sarongs or bikinis. Like fuck the like they're they're already wearing that shit anyways. It's but just it's it's black and they have Reebok all over the place. But give them a little more, like fucking coconut shell bras or something. You know what I mean? Like co- co- coconut shell bras and a fuck, dress skirt. Yeah, like like lean into the whole. I guess. I'm 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 down. If they, if they're not wearing like tropical grass skirts and coconut bras, that this is this is promotional so you, malpractice. And you can't. That, that is a missed opportunity. Well, so you can't pull it off in Abu Dhabi because you're in the middle of the desert, so it doesn't even go with like, it doesn't go with the no, theme. No, no, they 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 put they put a a uh, cage in the beach with a fake palm tree, and they made a, a fight island logo that that's a cage on the beach like fuck it like we're 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 pretending this is fight island just just go yeah, all in for sure J- just yeah sell it shell bras uh the grass skirt bikini maybe some of these girls are wearing lays over their head like a crown or something like that who knows and then yeah i guess for the fighters though it, it like you can't screw with the type of clothing they're wearing too much because i really do think what you feel comfortable with is such an important I, I personal think preference. They go, like, where maybe maybe they can, because uh, they have to wear the legal gloves. But I think I think a creative mm-hmm. person can make those gloves look like you know the wraps that they wore like in fucking uh, uh, best of the best, where like or like some of these old like kickboxing movies where they're yeah. like they're really rustic looking. Like I'm sure they can do something okay. with with their gloves with their wraps. 
like Sagat. I'm thinking like Sagat from Street Fighter, you know, like <laughs> I got you. Well, and then and then you could um like I don't think you can tell a fighter you, you have to wear tights versus shorts versus yeah. you know, like that. But you, you could you could have them all like kind of have like either like a tropical print to them or like a camo mm-hmm. print or something like that. For sure. Apparently Reebok has that that potential because you know who Bryce Mitchell is? Yes. The ca- the camo shorts coming soon. Yeah, he, he's been, he's been pining for camo shorts for the longest time, and Reebok finally said they they would do it. So it's it's possible. But, but isn't it Reebok has the technology? Isn't it? And this is a little quick question tangent thing. Uh, aren't the UFC and Reebok like pretty much close to ending their? Oh, they're they're done. Yeah, yeah. There's no I way. Think they, like it was. I think they should just go back to letting the fighters wear what the fuck they want to wear. Maybe they can still get a sponsor and have their logo, like the like whatever Nike or Under Armour logo on the shorts. But I mean, the example that's been always used is like, like the Iceman shorts. Like those are fucking or the Rich Franklin pink. Like those are classic. That made the fighter. Like that that gave him more of a personality. You know. I I think you could strike a balance. I mean, and I think if. Reebok and the UFC had just thought this through a little bit more. Um, it wouldn't have been a bit, you know, as big of an issue. Like I think you could have a standard look where you allow the fighters to to customize it a little bit in terms of color and maybe like uh, so 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 this is an example. Like when I was a coach, we uh, you know I got to do a, a new uniform order, and um, Under Armour has this this template. For these for custom uniform orders, where it's like you you can pick between okay, do the shoulder caps come to a point or do they come to a curve, or you know are you going to make the shoulder ca- you know the the area of the chest in the uniform this color or that color like there were like certain mm-hmm. like customizable yeah. options where it would look it would look unique but it would still look kind of standard yeah. and I because th- I think the the UFC is like we want to be taken seriously it looks. It looks bad if just everyone's wearing random shit and it's got, you know, sponsors plastered all over it like a billboard. It doesn't look professional. It doesn't look clean. But I think if you had some standards that gave fighters the ability to to kind of work within those and then you gave them like like maybe like two set spots where it was it was set spots where they could put a sponsor so they could have two sponsors and it was going to be in this fixed like however big, you know. Six by six area. They do give them. They do give them some leeway of creativity. I just don't know. One of two things happens. I don't know that that all the fighters have exercised their right to get more creative. Number one or number two, the geniuses at Reebok just aren't that good at tailor like tailoring. I think it's mostly that. Yeah, (laughs) I just don't think that they've they've really gone all out to really go out of their way and like, okay, what's your personality like? What what do you really like? What outfit really suits you? You know, so from what from what I've heard, the the Reebok deal. I mean, the, it, it, well, the Reebok deal is coming to, to a close, and from what I've heard, there's like a zero percent chance they're going to renew. Um, they're going to look for, you know, another apparel company to go with, and it's in between Nike and Under Armour. Um, you know, I, I don't know what the financial incentives offered by the di- you know different companies are. I know because if you remember, at one point, it, Nike was really interested in getting involved they actually did sponsor john jones okay oh the couple fighters no like on the side yeah i i remember i just remember john jones specifically like they were like yes we found the michael jordan of mma like we're gonna we're gonna get on board early and then john jones did john jones things and they're like ooh, (laughs) (laughs) 
uh, we're we're gonna pretend we never we never knew you, uh, John John who John Jones? No, we don't. Here's, <laughs> we here's, don't recall. here's why the Reebok thing didn't. I mean, it didn't really work the way that they intended. Like, there's nothing to just like. If I go and buy a like, okay, like the UFC champions, most of their Reebok apparel was like all black. Champions wore all black. That was their thing. And it had their name, like, in gold letters, right? So, like, when Dominic Cruz was a champ, it said Cruz in the back of his, or in the front of his thing. And it had, like, it had a little bit yep. of the nationality of the fighter somewhere in there, like a flag or something. But if I'm a fan, and I see that Dominic Cruz jersey, champion jersey, looks just like the John Jones champion jer- championship jersey, just only a few subtle differences, I'm not going to blow 150 bucks on that jersey like i'm just not like but but if there's a lot more personality to it i might be more willing to buy you know that fighter's kit or whatever it is you know it's just not enough yeah of a fighter personality built into the to the thing on that note i mean i think again i don't i don't know the the any of the details in terms of the the business dealings i mean it might be that that nike is going to offer them you know a billion dollars more than than Under Armour. I don't think it's going to be that much. But it, all things being equal, I think they should a hundred percent go with Under Armour. Because first of all, the name Under Armour is just on brand. Like, yeah, it sounds like we're fighters. We wear Under Armour. It's just easy marketing. And two, like Under Armour was sort of the new kid on the block. Like they really had to go out of their way to to separate them to do some interesting um, apparel designs, like that kind of thing, to really stand out. Um, so, because like separate from the quality of, of the stuff, like Nike, Adidas, like all these were so established, and you know, for Under Armour, the the, the big um, turning point was when, when they landed Steph Curry, uh, and it, and it really was because I think it was Nike fucked up. They gave Steph Curry this like this this kind of cookie cutter presentation that was clearly like one size fits all, and then the guy giving the presentation didn't know how to pronounce Steph Curry's name. Whoa. And it was literally like... What was he saying? It was like that part... I, I think you sing Stephen. Stephen Curry? <laughs> nice. And and Steph was like, yep, fuck this, and just got up and left and went with Under Armour. And at the time, everyone's like, you're insane. Like, Nike... Like, but you want... Nike... Is, is, is the brand that like built Michael Jordan like this is where like the premier players go like they're so much more established why would you go to Under Armour but Under Armour paid attention to who he was individually they they figured out how to like highlight that and they had a good product and I think probably worked out okay for Steph like he's doing okay yeah and and you know growing up uh, because Nike Adidas Reebok are so well established like I don't know about you but when I was a kid like I was like there's a lot of people like pro Nike just because Nike. And I was never, I was always kind of against the grain. So I was like, fuck Nike. I like Reebok better growing up. I think Under Armour has that advantage in that they, they don't have that long term. Like they're, they're just, a, they, 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 like the, the, like you said, the new kid in the block. They never had that, that baggage, the, 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 um, I guess the trademark or, or the, the name baggage that comes with it associated to it. Under Armour was always kind of broad, just sports in general. You know, so mm-hmm. you don't have that pre-built like negative stuff. Oh, on the flip side, their their quality, their stuff oh, is yeah, just good, for sure. right? Yeah. So, like, again, you know, when when um, the the way it works, where I, at least at the school I, I was at, was you had to, you had a four year uniform cycle, meaning like we only got to order new uniforms every four years. 
So it's like you you won't you don't want to fuck that up. Like if you get sh- you know shitty uniforms, like you're stuck with them for you know a, a, a kid might be stuck with them for their entire time in college. So that's why like I didn't even hesitate. I'm like, man, I could get something else cheaper. We're gonna go with Under Armour because one, I like I let the kids customize it because I was like, you know what, they have to use the school colors. So no matter what they do in that sort of template that I described, they can't make it look too stupid. And so the, the, the players loved it. They felt like ownership, like, oh, we designed, yeah, quote yeah. unquote, and designed the jerseys. And the quality was just excellent. And, you know, so, so I'm like, I mean, we're not sponsored by Under Armour, but Under Armour, you know, if you want to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Send some, you know, send some pennies our way. For sure, for sure. Going back to the, you know, fantasy fight island and everybody yeah i think some if it was like if it was under armor i think they i think they would exercise their right to be a little more customizable and creative for the fighter's benefit um and yeah like uh like yeah some some uh, floral print you know if they're like a, if it or, or or wherever it ends up being right if they're like if it's somewhere off of the coast of south america maybe some south american print whatever the fuck that is or if it's off the coast of africa maybe some african print type thing i don't want to disrespect anybody but something along the lines where it does pay homage to where the fight island is but at the same time let the the the, the fighter have expressed some of their creativity but for sure coconut shells and grass carrots that's that's uh without a doubt okay so so on that note can, can i tell you uh, it, it was like half half an idea for how, where they could have actually done a fight island, and half an idea for a screenplay trademark copyright. Oh, none of you fuckers steal this yeah. idea, because um, because this this was this was good. Okay, it was it was it was really based off of a lot of things that are happening in the world now in the actual UFC. So in my in my 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 fantasy world, the, this this. Uh, Let's call them the, the the Supreme Fighting Championship. It's the SFC, <laughs> just so the UFC doesn't sue okay. me. So the so, so the SFC is is heavily heavily in debt. Like they've been trying to become one of the big boys in sports, so they've been taking out risky loans and financiers, and they they owe fucking money all over town. That's that's not a real thing that happened to the <laughs> UFC. Not at all. No, not no way, shape, or form. And then on top of that, to make matters even worse, the president of the SFC has a terrible, terrible gambling addiction (laughs) that could get him into even more debt and trouble. That's not a real thing. Dana White would never, (laughs) never, never. Uh, Just to be clear, so again, Dana White, don't sue me. What's this Um, character's name, this fictitious name? Let's let's call him... Dana Black. (laughs) (laughs) So, So... so, so anyhow, the, the, the SFC is in huge debt, and Dana Black uh, flies to, to uh, we, can, we, we can make it Abu Dhabi because they do business okay. there, and he gets, he gets just, he, he gets involved in this like super, super high stakes gambling, gambling game. I, I don't know why. I don't know, I don't know where you might lose the most money, whether it's roulette or, oh, or maybe, maybe Baccarat. I know you can lose tons maybe of money on Maybe he's betting on, on fighting and he fucking loses his ass on that. But whatever it is, it's it's a setup. Abu Dhabi, like this this Abu Dhabi sheik or whatever, is in in cahoots with with a uh, sort of a, like an African uh, dictator from the Seychelles Islands, and they they have rigged this game against Dana Black, and Dana Black loses 
millions and millions and millions of dollars. So like the, the SFC's in debt, Dana Black's in debt, and then enter enter sort of this this worldwide pandemic. Um, <laughs> not, not called COVID. Not, not literally. It's not called COVID. It's, it's 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 so what? So it's it's the so what? So so, so COVID is, is short for coronavirus uh, nineteen. So so it, it will be the uh, PBR vid nineteen. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Jesus. I, w- I would make it, okay. So I would make it a little bit more realistic. I, I, PBR vid nineteen was just for comedic purposes. I, I just came up with that. I'm rather proud of myself. But um. Anyhow, so so like you cut to like you know like like a fight you know a fighter they're they're you know tra- training and whoever's running the training session session starts coughing and, and you find out that there's this whole pandemic so so basically what what happens I'll I'll cut to the the the, the uh, chase on the plot is uh, Dana Black is basically blackmailed um, into you know having his his next big fight card. On in in the Seychelles off the coast of Africa, and they because because they have they have to same as the, the real UFC they have to hold it someplace else the Seychelles you know all the stuff we were just talking about they do have an international airport they do have hotels and and casinos as well so maybe the casinos should have been in the, in the Seychelles and uh, they they do have you know athletic facilities although probably not as top of the line as as like Dubai and the reason though they're the the sort of ulterior motive. Of why they are forcing uh, Dana White, or sorry, Dana Black. <clears throat> it's not real Dana White. It's nothing to do with Dana White. The reason they're forcing Dana Black to hold the event there is because this is actually a a a guise to smuggle billions of dollars of conflict diamonds back into the U.S. They, they've procured all these conflict diamonds. They're going to hide them inside the oct- the octagons which I are going to go somewhere else sorry not sorry not the octagon the, the ring octagon gotcha. is trademark of the UFC in the ring and uh, and then smuggle them back in the country and and Dana Black is is sort of party to this and the, the place where this whole thing sort of really escalates is unbeknownst to to everybody these conflict diamonds were actually stolen from basically like a, a sort of rebel terrorist pirate group whatever you want to call them um and what what ensues is you have you know have all these, these these fighters maybe probably a small fight card just not to make the cast too complicated but you have these fighters flown in to to fight islands you know off the coast of Africa and meanwhile all all, all these diamonds are are hidden under the the cage and enter you know the the sort of terrorist uh, militia trying to regain their conflict diamonds and you basically have like like um so what was it enter the dragon yeah. meets die hard it's just to me to me I, I i like dumb action movies if they commit and they're well done i'm like oh my god like a bunch a bunch of train fighters on an island like taking out like a like a, a terrorist militia trying to get their diamonds back i'm like i'm in i'm good I, I will write that so screenplay. Let me, so let me add a little. Let me let me creative one up. Maybe it works. Maybe it doesn't. Oh, you you, you want you want a co writer? No, 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 no. Credit. I'll, okay, I'll be down. the ghostwriter. I don't need any credit. It's all you. Uh, so they go to this. We're not going to even call it a fight island. That might be trademark. It's going to be called uh, Fight Tropic or Fight Something Fight Land. Whatever. These fighters. Not only are they fighting, they have to fight for to the death, 
And the way that they smuggle those conflict diamonds back into the U.S. is they they put the diamonds in these dead people's bodies. <laughs> and so when they fly these dead bodies back to the, <laughs> what the yeah, fuck? dude, fuck yeah. <laughs> there you go. I, I was uh, I was like, wow, am I am I too fucked up with no. this plot? And Armando's and like, I no, right, <laughs> you are not fucked up I enough. Hard. <laughs> Oh Jesus! I I want this to give uh, children nightmares Fuck if they yeah. see. <laughs> Why not? Like this needs to have like a hard R rating and probably in some countries X yeah. if uh, we cast Why the right not? people. Fuck it. <laughs> Who would play Dana Black? Like if we can choose any actor. <laughs> Who who played Dana Black? Any actor. Okay, so that's that's interesting. Uh, I'm trying to think. Like, so he has to be kind of like a hard ass. Um, Mel Gibson with Mel Gibson with a beard. <laughs> Mel, Mel, Mel Gibson. Mel, Mel Gibson or um. Oh wait, I just had I just Russell had him on the Crow? tip of my tongue. Oh, Russell Crowe be perfect. Yes, Russell okay, Crowe. Cool. Because because he's a hard ass. Like he, I mean, him flipping out. Okay, so just just let me let me just just, just see this. Like I did I did have this, this scene scene in mind. Um, and this is a little bit hokey, but it just made me laugh. Where like there is like a square off like between the the uh, the the you is the SFC president and the terrorist like leader. And it's like so it's like it's like the terrorists kind of like catch him or corner him or whatever and he just kind of does the like the dana white like puff of his chest like get angry thing he's like it's like do you know who i fucking am like like i will ruin you like i have an army of fighters like you don't you do not want to get in a dick measuring contest with me you pieces of shit and the, the terrorist leader just pulls out a gun and shoots him Ooh. in the dick and goes I, I win. Okay. <laughs> wow. Holy shit. So not only is Dana Black... Come on. Not only is Dana Black uh, a bad gambler, he's also dickless at some point in this movie. <laughs> I don't know if you'd actually put that in, but I'm just having this to sort of... Dana White approximation get his dick shot. Wow. <laughs> Holy shit! I'm, I'm, you know what? You know what? I, I, I like uh, really highbrow comedy, and you know what? I can, I can, um, still appreciate the the simple dick jokes of uh, Dana White getting his dick Dude, shot off. Yeah. Um, trademark, trademark, copyright, copyright. Don't steal Aaron's idea, cause um, we'll come after you, motherfuckers. We're gonna be million. You're gonna be mil- yeah, you sons of bitches. You don't want to get in a dick measuring contest with me. Okay. Um. <laughs> <laughs> so tra- trans- transitioning back from from fantasy to pure reality uh sa- sadly there probably is not going to be anywhere near the antics that we just described on the real fight island the quote-unquote fight island but who knows some crazy shit could go down probably not a, a terrorist I don't think attack. anyone's dick's gonna be shot off in abu dhabi i'm pretty sure Probably not. But what are your bold predictions for the real Fight Island? Do you have so, any? Yeah. So bold predictions for the for Fight Island. And, and so uh, I, I, Aaron and I kind of came up with this bit. I don't know if it's in the stick or not. But for every upcoming fight card, the idea is we'll come up with like, you know, uh, an, an underdog that might win that no that everyone else is counting out, or or just some some kind of bold prediction, a, a fight prediction, or whatever. Just something kind of goofy that may happen the one i thought of for this uh, fight island card in particular was that masvidal uh destroys usman and that masvidal uh calls out nate diaz to fight for 
both the BMF belt and the welterweight belt. So I could see that play out as a bold prediction. Another way it could go, again, Masvidal destroys Usman. And then Conor McNuggets, you know, he he likes to throw his hat out in the name anytime there's someone else getting shine. And he takes the opportunity to say, hey, you want to make a bunch of money? Conor McNuggets against George Masvidal, 170 championship. Oh, let's just be clear. Like, Conor, if Masvidal wins, Conor will say it's an honor to fight him. If Max wins, he says it'll be an honor to fight him. If Aldo wins, he'll probably say it's an honor to fight Aldo. And and possibly if, if Rose Namajunas wins, he'll, he'll say it's an honor to fight Rose. Like, he lo- he just loves throwing his sure. name out um, into social media because he, he needs attention. Like... Like we, most of us will need like food, oxygen, and shelter to survive. Conor McGregor needs attention. He he, he's been <laughs> out of limelight lately. He hasn't fought in a bit, and yeah, so he's he's starving for attention, and and that's like a number one on his hierarchy but of needs. So do you think? So, do you think so do you, let me ask you then. It, going with my bold prediction before you give yours, if Masvidal manages to to demolish Usman. Do you can you can you see either of those two things play out, or do you think do you think those are way too far fetched? Oh, Masvidal will one hundred percent angle for the Nate fight. Like he want he wants that fight. Sweet, um, because that was the thing, and it was kind of shitty for Masvidal. Like he he fucked Nate up, and then at the end of the fight, everyone was complaining about oh stop too soon, and Nate could have come back and whatever. And so Masvidal knows, wow, that was the biggest paycheck of my my life. It was an easy fight, and there was unfinished business. Yeah, how am I not doing yeah. that again? Admittedly, I was one of those. Uh, I've, I was I wasn't like the biggest Nate Diaz or Diaz brothers fan going into it, but he grew on me probably the last year or two, and and I was one of those fans that was like, God damn it, the fight didn't it didn't we didn't get the result. The the fight didn't end the way. It didn't answer all the questions. It, it, it got stopped mid-fight, or mid-round, sorry. I, although although Masvidal was getting the better of Nate. Um, Nate's a known... Dude, he was yo, tuning yeah, him but up. Nate's a known bleeder, and he's a dog. Like, you have to knock the motherfucker out. Like, you have... Like, anyway, I didn't think... I didn't think the fight was... It didn't... It didn't answer the questions for me, I think. I was one of those guys. I was like, God damn it. Fucking referees or whoever stopped doctors or whatever it, like it, it didn't i wasn't happy although 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 credit to credits do masvidal like he said did piece him up he was he was touching him a lot making him bleed and he seemed to just yeah. be uh, beating him up so i mean i i just think masvidal is significantly better than nate in all aspects other than possibly durability I think yeah. that's probably the and, one. But also, Masvidal's not, a, not even Masvidal's also a true seventy. Or even though Masvidal has fought at fifty-five in the past, he's 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 a true seventy. Whereas I think Nate's probably a fifty-five or a sixty, sixty-five if there was one. I, they're really, I think, I think they're similar in size. Like they're both, it's they both could make fifty-five, but it's incredibly hard for them at this point. Um, and they're both a little bit small for for seventy. But like both both for both of them, sixty five yeah would be yeah, the perfect they, they, weight they catch class. weight the catch weight BMF belt. But the, the the difference is Nate has has amazing durability regardless of weight class, and he has good good cardio. That's the one thing like the Diaz is used to have like legendary cardio, but there's so many people out there that that 
when you look at it, like it, it does, the, it, the level and the pace that the DSs keep isn't that special anymore. And you don't have to look any farther than this card. Like both Kamaru Usman and Max Holloway keep a much faster pace than than the Diaz's, like considerably faster. Um, and in Colby Covington, certainly. I mean, I think in terms of pace and output, other than yeah, other than the little guys, I mean, the you know the thirty fivers are all are crazy fast. But in that that sort of size and, and weight range. Yeah, I mean, there's people that that have better cardio and keep a higher pace than, than Nate at his own weight classes. Um, so, but but yeah, I, I think I think Masvidal is just better everywhere. He's, I think he's a better striker. He's a better athlete, and um, dare I say it, a better grappler. Nate definitely has better jujitsu, but I think Masvidal's wrestling is better, and his jujitsu is good enough where he's not going to get he subbed. Choked Chiesa. He choked Kiesa. Yeah. Dude, he, he choked Chiesa, and Damian Maia could not fucking yeah, submit him. but that says a lot. Damian Maia had his had his back for like 15 minutes, and I mean, he, that's he's the only person I've ever yeah, seen do that. That says a ton, and anyone that knows Damian Maia's uh, BJJ acumen, like, will will say like, "Fuck, that's that in itself is amazing." Uh, what's your I, I what's mean, your yeah. bold prediction if you have one, if you thought of one? I, well, okay, I've got I've got two. I don't know how how bold this is, and I'm hoping on the first one I'm wrong, and the second one I don't really care. The first bold pred- prediction is that everyone says Styles make fights, and I don't think the styles of Volkanovski and Max Holloway have changed, and I think Max will lose, and I feel bad about it because I like Max is my favorite fighter. No, not favorite fighter. He. I, Max is a great fighter. I really like Max, and I would like to see him win, and I just don't think he will. Okay. That's bold prediction number one. Do you, do you want to comment um, on that? Any questions? I wouldn't. Me, personally, I wouldn't call that quite a bold prediction because I do feel that's going to happen. I, uh, I've i seen interviews for both guys, like pre-fight interviews for both guys, and um, and, 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 and Max is always like that. Max has always been a humble... I, that's what I love about Max, is that he's always been a humble guy, whether he was a champion or he was a contender. He was never this brash, cocky shithead. He, he talked to talk, but he walked to walk, too. I get a lot more of a kind of a mellow, tranquil, like, aloha, like, I don't give a fuck, it's just another fight feel from Max's camp. I, I, he said, like, it's just another fight, which he's always been that way, right? It's not nothing different. But I think in order to beat the guy that you lost to already, you need to have a different mindset. You need to say, oh, fuck, I got to, I got to, I got to step it up. I got to turn the volume up a lot louder than the last one. Well, I think there's two things, though. I think there's two things. It's either if, if you're a fighter that has real finishing threats, you, you need to just be able to change something where you can, you can execute one of your finishing threats, right? Like maybe, you know, for, for Damien Maya, you know, there's been fights where he just cannot get the other person down. So he can't use his jujitsu. And it's like, if he could change that one thing, he could figure out a different setup, you know, for a takedown entry. He could, he could, um, you know, ch- uh, chain together a series of moves that would frustrate the person's defense, whatever. Boom. Then the fight's completely different. But Max does not have real finishing threats. He finishes, he, he, if he does get a finish, it's usually by TKO, and it's just yeah, outpacing pressure. and overwhelming his opponent. And Vol- Volkanovski had great cardio. He went five rounds with him. And he's also an extremely, extremely smart, composed fighter. So even when Max was trying to build, he just wasn't getting overwhelmed and would start interrupting his rhythm. If I remember and like, the last fight correctly, I think Volkanovski had a lot of early success with, with like leg kicks. And toward the end yes. of the fight, he wasn't 
throwing him as as much. So if Volkanovski can continue Correct. to do that leg kick pressure throughout the all five rounds or four rounds or whatever, however many rounds this fight goes, um, I think it's his clear clear path to to victory. Which is, that's why I'm saying I, I don't know that's that bold of a prediction. I. I, I, well, I, say, I don't even know if it's going to be leg kicks. Like, the, 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 this was the dynamic at play. Like, Max is a rhythm fighter, right? Like, some fighters, they're just looking for one big punch. Some fighters are... Um, I'm sure I think of an example. Like, there's some fighters that will throw bursts of combos and then they'll you kind know? of back off. But Max wants to... Yeah, exactly. That's a, that's a good one. Um, Max wants to get a rhythm established where he's hitting you. He's like, bam, 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 bam. Bam, 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 bam. Where there's sort of this this rhythm and flow. Stalking you. Um, maybe that just yeah, that just sort of fits with his his aloha mentality. But where he's just constantly on you, he's constantly touching you. Bam, 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 bam. And what Volkanovski was able to do with those leg kicks is, you know, Max would get that first shot in, and then he'd get nailed in the leg, and it would it'd disrupt that rhythm, and he'd have to start over again. And it was every time he got something going. Volkanovski was landing a shot that would disrupt the rhythm. I don't know if it has to be leg kicks. It could be body shots. Um, I think that 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 actually I wouldn't be surprised. So, to, so yeah, to you and I who have really like watched it and will sit there and analyze fights, that's not that bold of a prediction. But I think for a lot of people, they're like Max was the greatest. Like we saw him just obliterate Aldo two you know two fights. Like it was sort of a fluke. Okay. Like I, Max okay. is going to come back and, and win. I get you. But my other, my other, again, I think this is obvious, but to some people, it, we'll, we'll, we can call it a, a bold prediction. I think, I think this is the last fight we ever see Paige Van Zandt in Absolutely. the UFC. Absolutely, and I think, I think a lot, just because I, I don't follow her on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter or any of that shit. I don't. But whenever there's like, oh, good lord, you you, you are missing out on a shit show, my friend, and being an idiot, right? It's, it's from what I've seen, or or like doing like weird naked posing with her husband yeah so anyway when i do see they're they're basically just making like audition tapes for that movie eyes wide shut (laughs) (laughs) they're they're gonna be five years from now they're gonna be like um the attraction at some strange like orgy party with like uh like extravagant masks for billionaires that's that's what they're working towards their future is they're going to be fucking for money. I mean, like they're like 90% of the way there, but, but that's, that's, that's the future plan. You know, in, in the short term, I mean, it's amazing how, oh, sorry, it's go amazing how much of a platform page is built on her looks alone. And she's, I don't think she denies it. Right. I don't, I don't, I've never heard her say she is a fighter, but I've never heard her contradict people when they say that you're building yourself on Instagram and all this modeling and all this other shit. The few like articles or whatever I've seen come out like on MMA fighting, uh, all these other, you know, where they there's always a comment section. So again, I don't follow Paige or any of her whatever social media shit, but I do read the articles when it involves a fight or a matchup. It's amazing to see how many f- people, casual, f- casual, and M- MMA fans. Like don't like they just don't want to see Paige in the UFC anymore. Like I don't. I, I think she's lost. Like the like the fight fans don't care to watch her fight. Like they they know she's a five hundred fighter. It, it's it's also kind of a, like a what have you done lately for me? And like she has she just keeps breaking her arms, so she hasn't fought for a while. And people people do forget that she is legitimately tough. Like yes. she has not progressed very much as a fighter in terms of 
technique and skill. She was she was the headliner for the first live card I ever saw. Right, it was um, it was on a fight week. It was that 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 weekend where uh, McGregor beat Aldo to claim the the championship. And there were three cards. There was the Thursday card, a Friday card, and the McGregor Aldo on Saturday. And it was Paige Van Zant versus Rose Namajunas headlining the Thursday card. It was in this tiny little venue in Vegas. I forget what it was called. But the the two things I remember were first that that I don't know if the whoever the Ozmakers were were just like high or drunk or they just didn't understand women's MMA or that at that point. But they had they had Paige Van Zant as a two to one favorite over Rose Namahunas. And I was like I literally bet every dollar that I had with me on that trip on Rose. <laughs> that was one of the few fights that I was just like, I'm fucking I'm like, I don't see any way Paige wins this. Like it there's no miracle situation. Like as long as Rose gets to the cage, she's gonna win it. But the second thing was that Rose was absolutely piecing her up. Like she bloodied, you know, she just made a mess of of Paige's face. And everybody in the crowd, you know, because I'm like I'm sitting there, I was in the crowd. Everyone's like, oh shit! Like there's sort of this like big like inhale, and like I think most of us expected, you know, Paige to just like curl up in a little ball and start crying. Oh, she's tough as shit. And, like, yeah, no, and exactly. In between rounds, she's like walking back to her corner, her face streaming in blood, and she's just got this big smile on her face, and then just like like wipes the blood off with her hand, and then just licks her yeah. hand. <laughs> like, Fucking oh, animal. Oh, fuck. Because, I mean, not to get into the whole Paige Van, Van Zandt bio, but like, she went through some like dark shit, and she was some some bullying and she's definitely has you know she's got the smiley bubbly personality but there's some some anger that she's got held in underneath that all so but you know what she also dated cody garbrandt so exactly that's what you did as much (laughs) darkness as she has she's also kind of sorry sorry pvz but you're little dits oh oh yeah no for sure i'm not i'm not um i'm i'm not saying that she's she's a uh a genius but all that being said, all that being said, I think I think she wants out of the UFC. I think she's like fuck this. I have this huge platform on Instagram. She's she is still on her first contract. They have not updated her. The the first contract that she signed as a rookie fighter is still the one she's on. And she's like screw you guys. Like I don't need this. And her husband um, Austin is in in Bellator, and I think. You know, there's probably some sort of backdoor relationship yeah. with her and Bellator. Um, <laughs> I mean, I think there's probably okay. I think I think she's probably got a couple backdoor relationships oh, with uh, Bellator, but and, and I, I think I think she's just ready to give a big fuck. You know, she's ready to give a hot girl fuck you to the UFC and go get paid at Bellator and have them you know market her as a star because they really haven't for a while. Uh, and I, I think, think she's uh, over it. So I I do bet. Um, shout out to. Here's another total milking uh, opportunity for these guys to eventually be a sponsor for us. But I do bet online, and I use mybookie.ag. They're not a sponsor, so please pay us. We're throwing your name out out there. But I use them. I, I love how we, we've done one podcast and we have zero listeners. We're already betting hey, Under Armour. Hey, aim, aim for the stars. You might hit. Or what has that saying? Aim for the stars. You might get to the clouds. Or I don't know how that saying 
That that was poetry. Thank you. Um, so I bet on that platform, and um, I think I said the PVZ was. I forget what what she was an underdog for sure. I don't. I forget how much of an underdog, but the line was like minus eight hundred something for Rebus to win. Hebus, sorry, Hebus, Portuguese pronounce their R's like an H. Uh, but yeah, for minus eight hundred, that's like Anderson Silva. Hey, 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 hey! Show the Brazilians respect. <laughs> respect, respect. <laughs> so yeah, re- respect the name. Re- Rebus was a huge favorite. I'm talking like Anderson Silva. Hebus is a huge favorite, like Anderson Silva status favorite over PVZ, um, and I think rightfully so. I don't know if it should be that big of a favorite, but she, she for sure, she's a favorite. Hebus is. She, she should, she should be um, a favorite. Yeah. I did place one bet. And it paid me approximately four to one dollar, four to four to one on my dollar, and that was taking Masvidal and Rose. So Rose over, um, huh. uh, uh, fuck. Why am I br- drawing a brain fart on her opponent's name? Who Rose? It's it's a uh, yes, oh, yes, okay, I wanted to call her something else for a second. Um, so she she's she, Rose is a favorite in that fight. But Masvidal's a dog in the other fight. So I, I took Masvidal and Rose, and again, it paid me about approximately, if I win, approximately four Ooh. to one on my dollar. So so Rose, Rose is yes. a favorite? Even even though she lost to Andrade the first fight, she's going into the second fight a favorite. So, okay. So so let me, let me, let me choose that. Let me just give a real quick breakdown on that fight. And then, and then I'm going to tell you how I bet fights, because the way I go about it is very differently. Jessica Andrade is probably like the worst absolute worst matchup for rose because mm-hmm. rose does have trouble if she's getting like physically bullied and she has trouble with pressure and the dynamic of that fight is rose is always going to look great against Andrade until she doesn't mm-hmm. there's going to be that point where she breaks either physically or mentally and then gets overwhelmed and until that point she's gonna be doing really well and it's just a question of can she hold out until that happens in a five-round fight, I would take Andrade every single time if I had to bet that fight. Three rounds, I mean, I, I think it's likely Rose will win the, the the first, you know. And then it's just a question of after that, like how long can she hold out? So I think in a three-round fight, she's got a chance, but I definitely would not make her a favorite because Andrade is always going to be one of the worst matchups. I think Rose's best chances are to finish, find a way to finish her, whether it's a sub or or TKO. Andrade is durable. She's a bully. She gets in your face, and, and she can take shots, as we've seen the first fight. And still find a way to pull off a victory. She 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 fought at 135. She was a small 135er. Uh-huh. So for her to go to 115, she is one of these just bulldogs. Like fuck you. Like you're not gonna push me around. Well, I mean, so the the absolute best way to, to beat Andrade is exactly what Yan Jacek did. Like the blueprint's yeah. already out there. You know it. It's it's to keep her at range to to move move at angles and move laterally so she can't like pin you against the fence and just keep jabbing her and kicking her and and touching her and just do that until the fight's over and that is that is what rose was doing and then she got a little bit too comfortable she kind of even said like mentally she just didn't want to really be there anymore and then she almost got her neck broke so yeah with that like that is that that's a fight i would never never bet and i'm i'm very picky about how i bet fights i will only bet fights if if i think one person has a huge, huge advantage. The, the the their opponent doesn't really have a clear way to finish them, and the person who has a huge advantage is also a huge underdog. Okay. Wow. 
So like if they're like if they're an underdog, but I think they actually have a huge advantage and they're going to win. And the person they're fighting doesn't really have like have you know like a knockout power or like a real isn't a real submission threat. So I've I've only found three fights like that that I I've ever bet, and I made a ton of money on all of them. <laughs> So I told you the first one was Rose versus P. I, like, I'm like, well, Rose, I'm like, is way better. She's a better athlete. She's a better martial artist. And I don't think Paige Van Zandt can finish her. And she and Rose is a two to one underdog. I'm betting that. Um, the uh, the other one I bet, where like, again in hindsight it seems obvious, but like, it was it was Amanda Nunes versus Misha Tate. Really? Misha Tate was a two two to one favorite. Wait, yeah. Who was the favorite? I was like, favorite I was like, was like wait. Tate? M- Misha Tate was a two to one favorite over Amanda Nunes. I'm like, are you guys for real? Like, do you not realize that like Amanda Nunes is just gonna fucking crush her? No. If okay. I remember, if I remember that fight though, the one thing that uh, Nunes had at that at that time in her career wasn't able to prove was that she can go the dip. She always had like these later round cardio. Like it was always a thing. Like Tate's gonna grind her out, take her into later rounds, and I think that was. I don't know about two to one. That's crazy. I would have thought it'd been a lot closer to even. But yeah, it's hindsight's always twenty twenty. Who knows? Well, I mean, my 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 uh, foresight on that was about twenty twenty two because made thousands of dollars off of that. You Feels bet good. a ton of money on that. I've I've never bet. Yeah, I, I maybe I bet like if I'm in Vegas, I might bet like a hundred bucks on some parlay. I I I, I dropped. Well, okay, technically it was a thousand on that one. I dropped eight thousand dollars and I made two thousand dollars. Really? Yes, I did. Wow. And then and then the last one. Which I did not. I didn't put as much down because I'm always a little bit more squeamish about the men's fights. But it was the same dynamic, and you you rarely see that dynamic. But it was it was uh, Carlos Condit against Damian Maya, and Condit was the favorite. I don't think he was as big of a favorite. It might have been he might have been like minus one fifty or something like that. Um, but but that was the same thing. I'm like I'm like oh this is gonna be over fast. I don't see. Anyway, no, I shouldn't say anyway. I was like, I was like, I could see Condit doing like a flying knee or something early, but it would it, if Condit was going to finish, it was going to be a real long shot. And I am like, and I know Condit has terrible takedown defense, and my, you know Maya's going to be able to get him down. And then the part that really sealed it for me was <laughs> I I heard the, the Jackson Wink's game plan was they're like, oh yeah. If Maya takes him down, we're not even going to try to get up. Like, Carlos is just going to drop elbows on him from guard. And I was like, what do you... <laughs> like, one, if you understand how Maya's guard passing works, like, you can't. Like, his head's not in a position where you can really do that. And, like, like, like two, like, you, th- you think he's going to be able to hold Maya in guard? Yeah. Good luck with that. Yeah. <laughs> I, will, I will put... So, I think I bet, like, 500 on that fight. Wow. Um... But again, like that's my that's that's my mo. Like I'll go big, but only on fights where these three things line up. And I've only ever found three would, fights would, where I felt that confident. So assuming you have free, you have a free hundred dollars in your pocket right now. Would you bet on any individual fight on Fight Island card? No, no. It's free hundred dollars no. for you to just free bet. You're not going to lose. It's not your money. Like I th- well, okay. So so if I had to bet one fight. I mean, I probably Volkanovski over Holloway. Um, Volkanovski's a favorite, so it wouldn't pay out very well. But you would, yeah. But you, yeah. It, it would either be that or 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 Jan um, Jan over Aldo. To be honest, what I would probably do if you told me that ahead of time, I would go back and like watch a ton of fights from people on the undercard and try to find a, a dynamic. But just 
I like I don't know a lot of these under uh, undercard fighters. I think of all those. I think of the main card. The one I was the most reluctant to bet was the Jan Aldo. I just something about me does not want to count. Even though Jan is a favorite, an, a nice favorite. I just something about that fight. I just the Aldo. Like I just can't count him out. Oh, I, th- I think you're right. I think well, I think Jan is a little bit o- overhyped, and Aldo did miraculously look really good at 135. Yes, I, that's one. I, that's one I would be the most afraid to bet on the main card. I, I would. Uh, Aldo's getting old. Jan is over. Yeah, the, the fact that Jan's in a title shot is a travesty. That's a whole other thing. Like it's ridiculous. Like he. People are like, oh, he's been destroying everyone. I'm like, has he? Because he went to decision with. Yeah, I think I know who I know who you like at 35. I like. Well, him it, too. Sh- it should have been the last fight with with uh, Aljamain Sterling and and, and um, what's his face? Who did, who did he just fight? He, he he just had a fight that should have been the title fight because they both had better records than Marlon Moraes. No, but anyhow, no, 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 <laughs> not not Moraes. It was um, what's his? What's, he's like a really tall uh, striker. He's like five eleven. All that being said, I'm like. I'm like the wheels have to fall fall Not off. Sanh- Sanhagen? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, Cody Sanhagen. That was yeah, that was a good fight. Like the wheel, the wheels have to fall off uh, with Aldo at some point. But yeah, I, I would bet Volkanovski Holloway because if Volkanovski's an underdog, no, Volkanovski's a favorite. I mean, I de- oh, he's the favorite. Yeah, he should be. Okay. Even so, it's a five round fight. Like Max definitely could win, but. It, it, it seems like to me on the main card that's probably the best bet. So my bookie and uh, Under Armour hit us up. <laughs> We're not big enough yet, or yeah, but we will be hopefully crossing our fingers. Um, so I mean, on that note, I think I think we covered a lot of ground. We we introduced ourselves. Uh, we talked about uh, so, social justice, and uh, we we set up a plan for the next Fight Island. Hopefully. Dana White is, will eventually listen to this and take very close notes and be like, yes, the Seychelles, Blood Diamonds, genius. Why didn't I think of that? Um, I, I think also I kind of want to throw this in there real quick because I know this podcast or this episode has been 95% MMA related. I kind of envision this podcast to be just a, a kind of a general, more of a man cave type of a feel. So we will be from here and here, here, here and there, we're going to be sprinkling in other stuff like... I don't know, hot chicks. Uh, Aaron's a carpenter, a genius extraordinaire. Uh, I, I, I like fishing. I like grilling meats. So we might be talking about that. We both like video games. So we might be talking about that at some point in the future. So don't, don't for you listeners, don't think that this is going to be a strictly MMA podcast. Although it is probably going to be heavily leaning in that. Just because that's something that Aaron and I both really, really, really enjoy. God. It, it, if anyone made it, an hour and 45 minutes into, <laughs> into our first episode. I think that, I think there's a good chance they will listen to anything we talk about. Thank you guys for listening for sure. All right. Cue the outro music that we don't have. Bang. Hey everyone, Mondo here. I just want to take the time to say on behalf of myself and Aaron that we appreciate everyone who's taken the time to listen to our podcast. We know there's hundreds of thousands of podcasts to choose from, but you took some time out of your day to listen to us ramble on. Please share our podcast, like and subscribe, follow us on all our social media platforms and all that jazz. Whether you love us, hate us, agree with our opinions or disagree, we still love you.